This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Thursday, 28th of July, 2022. Today's first show, we are previewing the new season ahead as the Seafarers kick off their 2022-23 campaign this Saturday against that lovable old scamp, Paul Ince's Reading. We'll also be giving you our season predictions and catching up on all the goss since the last pod. I'm John Asperger on the Seasiders podcast season preview show 2022-23. Welcome back to the Seasiders podcast on the audio and video on our new streaming software, and I'm pleased to see I'm finally ahead of all these lot. If anyone remembers, this actually for those of a certain vintage uh, university challenge, it reminds me a tad of that. But welcome back to the uh, for the 2022-23 season, uh, gentlemen. Uh, we've got Sean, Tom, Joe, and uh, Mitch in this evening, and it's uh, pretty amazing that we're doing our pre-season preview match preview, season preview even, on the 28th of July. Bit weird, isn't it, gents? Yep. Yeah, World Cup, early start, but now good job, Blackpool, prepared and uh, ready for the new season. (laughs) Do I detect a hint of sarcasm, Tom? Uh, No, 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 not at all. So it's, uh, it's all been going off today. I think, Sean, this was going to be a big let's slag off Ben Mansford and the recruitment team podcast, but they've dug themselves out of an ugly little hole this afternoon, haven't they? With fingers crossed, one more very big deal to go ahead. I mean, yeah, let's hope so, eh? Because good Lord, if that doesn't. Um, but yeah, it's, a, <laughs> it's been a bit of misfortune, to be fair. I'll give him a their due, obviously, with the, the Colby Bishop thing and um, various other things over the time. But at the same time, it seems like we've been, I don't know, slow, 
really we could have set the momentum with with Appleton straight from the off, as was the plan apparently, um, and that soon unraveled. So uh, yeah, it's been a massive week. I said at the start of the week it'd be a huge week. Blackpool are undercooked for the season. You need specialist players in in Appleton system if you want to play as attacking four three three. You need the right players and the right quality of player and hopefully now we're starting to see it um and i mean we're only playing red in anyway at the weekend it's pulling so that's always a buy anyway so <laughs> but yeah let's uh let's hope hey but whether we sort our fullback issue at right back or not remains to be seen but uh you can't be, not be excited with cameron brannigan potentially coming in the door because it's very funny <laughs> particularly to our Oxford supporting friends. I don't want this all to be about me. I don't want this to be a, a John TV production. So let's try and get these overlays correct. Joe, let's see if we can drag you over. Yes, we can. You're now the main-ish man, Joe. Um, your thoughts on the Colby Bishop incident and Blackpool's forays into the transfer market thus far? As far as the Colby Bishop thing goes, if he did have an underlying problem, then I'm glad we pulled out of it because without meaning to sound harsh, we're carrying a few too many sick notes as it is. You've got, obviously, Kevin Stewart, who seems to be permanently injured. And as much as I love Jordan Gabriel, he's starting to get quite the uh, injury-prone reputation himself. So I think as far as that one goes, the club got it spot on. Obviously, the whole pulling out of the deal, then going for Ellie Sims, allegedly, and then missing out Sunderland and pulling out, putting all your eggs in one basket, missing out on that target, going for another target, missing out on that one. It's, yeah, we have looked a bit amateur hourish at times in this window. But ultimately, the window doesn't shut until the end of August, so... We've still got just over four weeks. If things go well with Cameron Brannigan, it looks like we're going to be spending or equaling our record transfer fee, uh, which is probably coincidentally the amount of money that we got from Critchley's compensation, which is a bit of irony in the the player that he was chasing all that while. Uh, 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 Joe, it's a... A, a delicious irony if uh, one of our elder statesmen was here, may he describe that as? A succulent irony, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's not happened yet, so let's not get carried away. It's Blackpool. Something will come up that, yeah, I don't know, he's got like anemia summer or low blood sugar level and it's too rich to sign him or, I don't know, maybe his, his pond is too good and he can't leave his pond. <laughs> in his house he spent good money on that pond so why would he move to Blackpool the, the Oxford fans won't we won't love him as much as the Oxford fans either according no. to one of their fans no exactly uh, so the fact that we're, we're not as loving and we don't have anywhere to fish uh, especially uh, being next to the Irish Sea absolutely nowhere to fish in the vicinity of Blackpool um, and we he really likes his pond. You can see that the deal probably isn't going to go through. Tom, you were going in. You were going in hard on our Oxford supporting chums in our group. 
I was thinking, yeah. oh, I hope he's not jumped the gun here and we end up with egg on our face here. That's why I wasn't joining in. I wasn't being as vociferous as you, but you're obviously a bit more confident about this deal going through, or are you? I'm absolutely not confident it's going to go through. But <laughs> you'll have to, um, you do know you'll have to delete your WhatsApp account and exit that group if uh, it doesn't. Nah, I, I, I stand by the, the shit I was really that I caused this morning when they woke up to a bombardment of good mornings. Um <laughs> to ask them how their morning was going so far. But the point of the matter is, like, whether it's panic mode or not, I think it feels a bit, I don't know, it doesn't feel as good as if they made that signing or made that bid two weeks ago, not because of the Oxford side. I couldn't give a crap about Carl Robinson's tears, but I think if we were just planned in this, this transfer window, we would have we would have felt a lot more sort of calmer about the season head instead of making these last minute moves. And I think some, you know, some fans have pointed out we were safe, safe in February. Um, and regardless of Critchley going, we should have a list of, you know, a whiteboard potentially of targets, um, the fan base uh, that, that we should be going for. But I think if you, if you look at our signings on paper, they're, they're, they're somewhat, Scattergun. I, I say it's, yeah, Thompson's okay. I mean, we'll go on to talk about the transfers in a minute. Um, don't really fill me with much hope in terms of who've made massive improvements to the squad. Although Brannigan absolutely would, and potential, you know, maybe bring a striker in alone. And um, Theo sounds like an exciting player, but we also don't know too much about him and what sort of impact is going to have in Appleton's uh, squad. Although. Um, he said he's been trying to sign him for for a couple of transfer windows now. So we'll, we'll have to see. But on paper, we sign a right back and a couple of more players, potentially a striker, and we get some of the deadwood. Um, then we have got a stronger squad going into next season. So how it's happened um, is maybe irrelevant come the end of the window. And as Joe's already said, there's four weeks to go. So there is a four-week window. However, I'm just a bit pissed off that the season's about to start and you could be six or seven games deep before we've even got sort of a, a fit right back or even a right back to replace Gabriel because um, Jack Moore doesn't sound like he's up to standards against Fylde. So he may be put there or maybe just be a makeshift Connolly again, bless him, um, used in every position so far. So we'll have to see. But we'll see what the next four weeks brings. But if they're anything like when the window is open, it's not going to be very well organised and probably more panic stations and race to the line with selling players and maybe getting some players in on loan or trying to find a deal at the last minute. So we'll see. Mitchell, Sorry to interrupt. Sorry to interrupt very quickly. I think everything Tom said there is absolutely spot on. And it's the fact that we're in the exact same position this time last season regarding a right back. So you'd think that we'd learned from last year. I mean, Dijon Sterling left. We needed a right back from May and we're still pissing about now without one. I know that we had Gabriel. He's injured now. So we literally have no right back at the club. We've had since May to sort this out, and that's what fans are annoyed at. We're not learning from last season. I think the other thing as well is we've got a new style of play this year as well, and I think that's we're going to go on to talk about pre-season. I think that's the frustrating thing. I think we're starting to see, you know, we might be getting the players to play in the Appleton mould, but what we've seen from pre-season has been actually quite confusing. The first few games were basically looked like they've been, you know, 
they'd pick two captains and got them to just sort of pick one after another from each of the squad, like in a playground. They, they, you know, they weren't really meaningful in terms of preparing. Um, and then we've seen a, a load of games, which they're only pre-season. Nobody really cares about the results, but you can see um, you can see a style emerging, but you can also palpably see that the you know Critchley's players trying to play Appleton's way. And then what we might get is... Appleton's players in to play Appleton's way, but they haven't practiced playing Appleton's way because pre-season's over. And I think that's what's frustrating. Whereas last year, you know, what I would say last year is I went to both Southport games, like last year and this year. And last year, I think we had six new players at the Southport game. This year, we had literally nobody new to look at. You know, that that shows sort of the difference and the slowness of last year. You know, we, we, we did bring quite a lot of players in last year. We brought quite a lot in early and we didn't get a right back. Um, but this year, we, we haven't got a right back. We have got some players, but we haven't practised. And I think that that's my ma- main concern. I think I, I remember Tim saying on the, the the Appleton pod that we did when um, we lost Critchley and got Appleton, he said this has come at the worst possible time losing your manager at this time because it's the time when you're bedding in your new players and you're blooding them. So do you think we should be cutting the club a little bit of slack on this, given the fact that Critchley's Um, just completely stiffed them in the the middle of the pre-season? No, No, because obviously, as um, we've sort of all touched on in the past, obviously they've they've talked about the the structure of the club being a head coach model where it, it can be interchangeable and there can be these processes going on in the background the whole time. That's what the recruitment team are there for. That's what the head of football operations is there for. It's a whole set structure so that it should have minimal impact. And at the end of the day, Critchley went right at the start of the summer. I thought it was the ideal time for him to go. It was very, very early. Um, we've had the entire summer. Appleton's been in a long, a fairly long time now. Um, and it should have been in place. And I think especially because you, you can capitalize on, you know, it, Appleton needed that the first few weeks. He needed that initial backing. And, and the fact that it didn't come kind of got everyone in a bit of a malaise for a while. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think it's a, a good point about obviously that we've not had much time to practice. And I think as well, he probably wouldn't have wanted to play against so many higher caliber opponents. I think he kind of wanted to play against teams where we could have more control of the ball. It was a little bit of a fr- frustration of his. I think I think he said on Sky Sports it was a you know it was a bit of a he probably wouldn't have picked that schedule if it was him. Um, so it's it's not ideal, but I, I'm seeing week on week personally progress that I expected us to have under Appleton, and I think I'm kind of fully bought into the, what he's trying to do. And I think I, I think it was a good time for a change personally because I think we needed a set system and a set structure and an identity and I think he's bringing it now to the table and it makes it much easier to recruit going forward anyway so yeah minimum, I think now we should be okay but as, as you say we're kind of playing catch up aren't we certainly are right as we've mentioned in um, the uh, what we were talking about previously um, pre-season friendlies we've just got a few to catch up on since the last uh, pod, let's get me big. Here we go. Uh, pre-season friendlies. So, Mitch, you went to KFC Fylde the other night. How was it? Um, <laughs> I was questioning why I'd gone for quite a lot of the game. Uh, the first half was frankly awful. We were really, really bad. Um it was, I mean, obviously it was all the sort of dregs, well, that sounds harsh, doesn't it? The dregs of the squad, but it was the players that, that I think 
um, pal- obvious. I keep saying palpably. I don't know why. <laughs> I got a minute. Go on, you, you just want one, don't you? There you go. <laughs> the great man is not here, so you're uh, taking over his mantle, aren't you? I'm like a bad photocopy. Um, it was the players that obviously mostly Appleton doesn't fancy. Um, a few kids. Um, and they were really bad for the first half. There was no creativity at all. There was no, I don't know, we didn't really play with any joy at all. We just sort of knocked the ball around a bit, didn't really know what to do. Um, Owen Dale pinged it into the corner and out of play. Um, I was kind of hoping to see, you know, one or two of them really grab their chance and, and they didn't really. And I think what, what says everything was probably the best player on the pitch was Jordan Thornley. Um because he, he, I mean, obviously Marv was playing just for minutes, get some minutes in his legs, but Thornley was pretty good. And I couldn't honestly say that anybody else played well in the first half. Second half, he obviously gave them a, 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 a talking to, and they were, it would, you know, they were playing failed, so it would be pushing it to say they were really good second half, but they played actually like they wanted to be there and, and put a few decent moves together and played with a lot more um, spring in the step. Um, Lavery was an interesting one. He was just so ropey first half. Everything was bouncing off him. Nothing was going right. Um, and he played better second half, but he, he still missed a couple of really, really good chances. He just looked like nothing's going to go for him. Um, Jerry got his goal. Um, Jerry got his goal. Um, and Bez got his goal as well. Bez did absolutely nothing other than score that fantastic goal. I mean, he ran around a lot, but he, he didn't really look very good until he popped up and scored that absolutely superb goal. And CJ was probably the worst player on the pitch, apart from two moments where he was the best player on the pitch. But, I mean, how many times have we said that before? So it was kind of, I don't know, it's kind of one of those games where you came out really not having learned anything. I think what Tom said before about Jack Moore, I would be worried about him in the first team. He, he played really well going forward. He looked really good going forward, but he just looked so little. Um he looked so little and he got pushed about a bit by Fylde. Um Apter did all right, but he was playing at left back. So it was just, it was frustrating because you kind of in pre-season, you want, to, you want to be interested in it, you want to learn something. And it just felt like we just, all I learned was the limits of the players that I already know, if that makes sense. I think it didn't probably help in terms of learning stuff that we set up in the four four two because obviously mm. it was it was very much we just put up in a formation so that everyone could play essentially who needed to play. Um, yeah, I agree. We, we were a poor in first half. Like it was, it was really, really poor. Um, Files had a lot of, lot of possession, which I really surprised me. Um, I think I probably agree. Yeah. Fornley was good. Um, for Apta was okay, as, as you say, and he, he'd always been okay in preseason. Um, and as you say, again, uh, Labala was, he, I just don't really, quite get the the excitement around him personally. I know he scored a few goals, but he very easily fades out of things and I like the way he takes the ball on. He's, he does he keeps doing ball rolls all the time, which I just quite like. It's quite aesthetically pleasing. But um no, it's not for me. Um and obviously you've touched on CJ, which we all know my opinions on CJ, Hamilton's football inability. But um yeah, obviously Michael Appleton didn't even take charge of a team. It was it was David Kerslake and Richard O'Donnell and then Appleton was watching from the stands um, and he went in at half time and as you say, you could see a vivid improvement. So he's probably said, you, none of you have proved anything to me at half time. But 
it was quite interesting to watch from my perspective, just the, the coaching setup, really. I was quite interested at the end. Richard O'Donnell has kind of been brought in as this sort of the Ian Brunskill figure that is working with the younger players and, and that uh, in that sense. And um, he's had a good five, ten minute chat with Jack Moore at the end of the game, sort of talking in through different phases of the game, which I thought was quite interesting. And then David Kerslake's more of like an old school man manager. So I just thought that was quite interesting from a balanced perspective. But as you say, apart from that, it was a pretty pointless occasion. Previous to that, we've, uh, we've hosted Everton at home, uh, lost 4-2 in the game, Mitch. Um, the, the, the key thing I took out of this game was when you and I sit together, Gary Bedeen scores. Two for two we are now. And some people might be sceptical about the future of Gary Bedeen, but I think if we can get the club to swap one of our season tickets around, then we've got, you know, 23 goals at least for Gaza home. And if we can make an effort to to be in the vicinity on away trips, I think we could be looking at a 30-goal season <laughs> for 30 goals. And what a goal it was as well. I mean, he just took it beautifully. <laughs> I like the way, he, you know, it was a fake, that first effort, oh just God. to throw everyone off. And then, then a, a bullet header into the goal. No, it was again. The Everton game was a similar pattern, wasn't it? It was kind of, it was kind of similar. And I think this touches on what I was saying about pre-season. Whereas in the first half, I thought we were quite poor. I've read a lot of people saying, "Oh, look, you know, quarter of an hour and Everton shocked us, and then then we did all right." I thought for the first forty-five minutes we were we were poor. I mean, obviously Eddie was was with you, and Eddie wanted to go home at halftime, didn't he? And he I didn't was ready. Really blame him. He was ready for bidding it off. Said, "Can we go? Yeah, it's really boring." I wasn't far. I wasn't far behind him in that. And it, it just looked, we didn't really know what we were doing. It was sort of like, we didn't really have a plan to attack or. Garbutt didn't know what he was bloody doing. Or tell well, Garbutt Garbut was awful. I mean, I think we all know that Garbutt was awful, but it, it looked like, I think I remember saying to John, like, what, what is the formation? And as both couldn't really we work out what the formation no. was. His players kept popping up all over the place. And I mean, that, you know, on one, one level, you go, oh, that's lots of fluidity in it. But it just seemed like they were all moving around to have a go at, well, if I go over here, maybe I could get through. Oh, no, I can't. But then again, there's the same pattern where they got out second half and they were way better. You know, it was actually, it was actually pretty good to watch the second mm-hmm. half. And again, at one point you said to me, oh, we're murdering him here. And, and we, we were, you know, we put a lot of pressure on and we were sort of had sort of five, 10 minute spells with, runs of corners and we were drawing free kicks and we were knocking about. So, um, yeah, I think pretty much bongs is a concern, isn't it? So far from pre-season, basically. Joe, did you see much of the Everton game? Did you catch it on the stream? Yeah, I watched, uh, apart from the, the KFC game, I've, I've seen all of them on uh, online. And yeah, I thought we did okay second half against Everton. But you got to remember that Everton, they've had an absolutely shocking uh, pre-season. So they probably had to go out there and do a bit of a job. And and you can tell, especially first half, that they were, if not up for it, like they were like, we've got to put in a performance here or I might not get a shirt that opening game of the Premier League season. Yeah, they, they took the piss out of us a bit first half. They saw that Garbutt was a weakness and they kept going down that channel. Second half, we played a lot better, but like you say, that goal that they got straight at the start of the half and killed it, didn't it? Almost, it, yeah. It was it was disappointing that that 
I don't want to slag him off because he's one of our better players, but defensively, you've got to ask questions about bowlers tracking back. Because um, yeah, <laughs> just absolutely left their player free and open just to cross the ball, a simple cross after the, the save from Grimshaw. And it's just pretty poor. He just left his man completely free. Mitch uh, told me uh, an interesting stat that he reckons Josh Bowler has headed the ball once ever for Blackpool. And uh, after he said that... I can that, tell you exactly which one it was as well, because he has genuinely, if you look on the, the Who Scored database, he has one completed header last year. And I can tell you exactly when it was. Well, I can't actually. I can't remember the game it was, but you'll remember the incident. It was, um, it was a home game, I'd say sort of after New Year, sort of on, on, on the road, when we were quite good, sort of February to March, and the ball bounced up in the box, Gaz was lingering, and Bowler sort of ran in as if, God, oh, I can head one now, and he headed it right up in the air. It was a proper terrible header. What, in the sort of non-woke 1990s, and I'm going to apologise to this, but what in the non-woke 1990s, when we didn't know better, you would have described as a girl's header. <laughs> he, sort, and like, he sort of headed it up in the air and, and headed it away from Medine, and it sort of like just trickled wide. It was possibly the worst header I've ever seen, and that is his one header in a Blackpool shirt. I want to say Bournemouth at home. I, 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 because I, I, I remember you. the I remember the incident you're on about, and I remember turning to my dad and go, "I'll let him off because he scored a screamer," and that was against Bournemouth, wasn't it? It could well be. <laughs> Who knows or dares to dream? But I did notice that he was actively getting his way, his body out of the ball or the flight of the ball when. Um, when I had when the ball came high in his uh, his area, so it's one to watch. May, maybe an area of his game that he needs to work on. Without lingering on it too long, it's actually quite interesting when you look because I thought, well, he must be a real outlier. But there's a few players in the league who actually don't head the ball, and I'm going to write, I'm going to note them down and try and look out for them as we go around as we as we go around the season because it's amazing that you get there are a few other players who've got sort of one or two headers. In, in a season and you think that's amazing that somebody is so good at the other aspects of football that they don't have to be able to do one of the things I mean can you imagine if a player didn't kick the ball and only headed it like the other way around that would be impossible but I it just it, it's um, well it's, it's strange isn't it look at the way Ronaldo works on his heading he was never the yeah. na- most naturally gifted player in the world at heading the ball but and he worked on it so maybe the Maybe Josh needs to work on that anyway. He's not here to add the ball, really. But, um, yeah. Uh, we discussed the Salford game since the last pod. And that was, that, was that, that was quite an interesting game, I thought. I didn't think we had... Um, that was quite an interesting game. Um, that was the 40-degree, 35-degree heat day, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it, was, it was absolutely ridiculous. Um, Fiorini, I thought, looked really, really good in that game. Um, and that's kind of where I got my initial excitement for, for him. Um and again, it's it, Rob Apter comes on and just makes Luke Garbutt look silly, really. But in, in that game again, and Garbutt just has looked miles off it, miles off it so far in preseason. Um, and obviously, Dominic Thompson's come in. And it seems natural that he'll take his place anyway. Um, but it was interesting to see the, the midfield rotations. That was the first time you kind of really seen what he was trying to do, and you saw sort of central midfielders shifting out wide to 
into space to pick up the ball and then you've got bowler coming in narrow or you've got the wingers coming in narrow and it's it's quite interesting the way that he it, it all works it's very very fluid and that's where I kind of still think Medine just doesn't it doesn't really make sense if, if it's so it's all about fluidity especially in the front three so it'd be interesting to see where that goes but I just thought it was interesting just from a tactical perspective of seeing that they're taking on board what he's trying to do and I mean we were pretty poor particularly in the in the first half but second half I thought we looked really good Tom, you you were nodding your head there about uh, Medine playing up front. Kind of uh, agree with what Sean said, and you obviously do as well. Yes, uh, and uh, Fiorini um, initially sort of agreed with because his passing range and his ability to see sort of an opportunity to get in behind the defence from sort of deep line midfield is is really nice to see because we usually get Yates dropping into that role to try and make things happen. So if those two are on the pitch together, which I really hope he starts in the, in, in the front three and not Medine, sorry, Mitch, but um, it, it's one of those ones where... I, I, I agree, Medin, Tom. I don't, Medin, think, Medin, I don't think you can play Medine in this system. You just can't. You can't, you can't play Medine in the three because he's no. like a fridge freezer. He just doesn't move. The odd, the odd oh, he's dead at, cool. Ha. Um, you know, he just doesn't move, you know, he doesn't move enough. Um, don't get me wrong, in certain positions, he's going to be really useful, but we're not going to be lumping balls forward. To he's him. not the type, of player. He's not the type of player in that in that system, is he? No, we're going to be using wide players. We're going to want to come behind the eights, you know, we're going to have to get into space and spread the defence to the right, etc. And he's not going to have enough movement to, to neither one get in behind or two sort of cause disruption to, to any back four or three, whatever we play against. So Yates, for me, is the one that suits the system the most. Well, so I think the one the one thing that I want to see this year is Yates look like the player he looked the season before he, last, and I think that's that's what the season kind of that's a massive factor in this season is um, do we end up playing Medine? And if we if we st- if we end up playing Medine, then something's not gone right, has it? Because you know, yeah, obviously, yeah. said palpably again, obviously Medine is not built for this system. And if Yates or Lavery can't take this opportunity, then yeah, you know they're is, not they're is not, that... not going to do it at this level. Yeah, you're right. The, the, the strange thing is Yates hasn't started either. Like he didn't start against Rangers, did he? And he didn't start against um, Everton. I don't think he started against Everton, did he? As Medine. No. Um, so it's not about Yates taking his opportunity because the geezer scored in both the friendlies he started. I think if Apple doesn't start him, maybe he doesn't see that opportunity or maybe he does want to try something with Bedeen. I'm not 100% sure whether he's saving Yates. I don't know. But they both look better than they did previous to the season. They've obviously had a good preseason in terms of their fitness. But I, I, I don't quite understand Appleton's system if he's going to play Medin. It is very confusing. Really, really confused. And, and when we've played four four two, we've looked absolutely shocking. So it has to be four three three. It doesn't, it doesn't bode well uh, for big guys in this system. They uh, started against yeah. the, big, the bigger teams. Yeah, That's yeah. what's confused me more. That I think is going to start against Redden because he didn't start against filed so if Appleton wasn't so big you'd say well he was just too scared to leave him out. But I mean, Appleton's a big like himself. Isn't he? So. <laughs> Um, okay, let's let's move on to Reading then. Obviously, that's the opening game of the season. It's a nice team to be playing when your your, your squad and your system's a bit suboptimal. Uh, you've jinxed it, it now, haven't you? I mean, it, it, it is, um, and that's through one factor, which is their manager. 
the if we, if, it, if, if he, if Redden had a better, more sort of screwed on head manager, then I'd be more concerned. They've brought in a, a fair few good players. And I mean that lightly, the likes of Shane Long clearly can do damage if he's got the opportunity to, but. Is he still going, he, Shane Long? Is he still yeah, playing? He, don't get me wrong. Like they've got the opportunity. They will, they can finish. They will finish. Um, Jeff Hendrick is going to be a good son for midfield. I think. Mayday, good player. Um, Tom Ince obviously is an absolute revelation for Redden and is going to continue to be. Um, But they have got a number of, uh, from what I understand, um, injuries or at least worries, um, i.e. Shane Long's back as he's getting on. I think they haven't got Josh Laurent anymore. They haven't got Swift anymore. He's gone to West Brom. Um, and the, the geezer who scored the first goal, Pedro, I think his name is, um, Joao Pedro, scored the first goal against us at Bloomfield last season, is, is a doubt, and he's their best forward. So if they have got their many injuries and they decide to rest in the first game, then we are certainly in for an easier game, that's for sure. If you cast your eyes to the screen, gentlemen, you'll hmm. see Reading's kit for the season. I might, I might do this as a... As a feature on these preview shows, um, let's let's review the kit of each team. I was watching a YouTube video with that Bolton father and son the other day. Eddie's oh, watching it. The one that looks like bloody Wallace out of Wallace. Yeah, that's it. the one. No, you weren't watching the... Fu- oh, Jesus Christ. What they called? <laughs> Eddie was watching... Theo. Fogden, whatever Yeah, yeah. Theo was Fogden and Fogdad. Yeah, that's yes, it. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the one. That's the one. Fucking Bill and bloody fucking Ben. Those two. Have they got a bad reputation then? No, they're just fucking a bit weird, aren't they? But, but <laughs> well, anyway, they were, they, were reviewing, so they were reviewing each kit. And to be fair to them, they put ours at number three. So I was like, yeah, they're all right, these two. But, no, um, they're still definitely the only Bolton <laughs> fans in the world that are definite Tories. They don't sound like they're from Bolton either. <laughs> Well, I've only ever watched one of their videos, but they were at home in it before they went to a game, and they, they live in some massive pile in the hills outside Bolton. And then they all went off and sort of went, talked about how they're having a very good time. Oh, it's yeah. fantastic. I can't be having a good time watching Bolton, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I think it was an England one that I watched. All right, fair enough. I'm not a massive fan of the vlog format. <laughs> Anyway, let's look at Reading's so kit. kit. I just thought I'd bring this up because the just for the benefit of the audio pod, the Reading kit now has these kind of um imagine the rings of a tree. Gives it its age. Not they're four, John. They've got the rings you what? Do you know what the lines are for? Uh, I do, yes. Would you like to tell the yeah. viewers and listeners, Tom? It's to uh, just to highlight the impact of the climate change and the temperature of each year. So hence the darker red sleeves, as you see at the end. Um, so it's, it's become progressively hotter because of climate control. And isn't it, and a, isn't it a delicious the, irony that they are leasing cars? <laughs> I'm glad that some of you read my tweets and my WhatsApps. Sorry, what's your name again? What's my name? I'm joking. When the Earth um, reaches its end and human humanity has destroyed it, the one artifact that we should leave to demonstrate the stupidity of humanity is that. <laughs> yeah.
good God. Just look at it. How would you feel if Blackpool did something like that? I'd still probably buy it. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's a very Reading thing to do, though, isn't it? Or in fact, I'd expect that kind of thing from Fulham. Forest Green. Yeah, for, that's a Forest Green kit, definitely. It's a. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Forest green ting. Yeah, you should get free tofu bar with every shirt. <laughs> should we get that off the screen now? Bunch of yogurt knickers. Um, right, so Reading, Sean, tell us a bit about Reading. They are shite. Um, essentially, they've got zero money to spend because obviously embargo is still. Um, they had about 19 players on trial in a game against Benfica uh, abroad. They still managed to go abroad. Fair uh, uh, Ashley uh, Ward was one of them, wasn't it? Uh, no, Ashley Ward. Um, Grant Ward was Grant one Ward. of them. Grant Ward, he was probably... They went, they went abroad? The yeah, they went abroad, yeah. Well, that's not very eco-friendly, is it? Did they, no. Did they all travel on a coach, I guess? Surely they didn't they, fly. They travelled in all individual leased cars the entire way. Pedalo. <laughs> Group pedalos. Obviously, Grant Ward was probably one of the worst trial performances I've ever seen against Salford. Um, and obviously he didn't impress it Reading either, but they've essentially just brought back the team from about, who were good probably about 15 years ago. Um, so that's Shane Long and the like. Um, Paul Lintz exists. Just not very good. Um, which obviously means it will lose three nil on the opening day, but it really we we can have no excuses to not beat Reading, regardless of the situation in the transfer market. For me, I think that we've got still got a very good side there. We've played some half decent football at times. We really have to set the tone on that opening day because, good lord, I really don't want to be in Bloomfield Road if if that isn't the case. To be perfectly honest. Tom, Tell how do you think what? this game's going to go? This game's going to go on Reading and your thoughts on Reading? I'm starting to shit myself a bit because apparently Brannigan's not signed. Fuck off. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? Um, it's exactly what I mean. <laughs> it's just rumours maybe, but um, if he doesn't sign and we lose to Reading, then um, I'm going to wish I didn't make the 550 <laughs> mile round trip, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. But, um, I I agree with Sean. Like I said, the signings are just, they're, they're, they're quite average. Um, oh, from just, just quickly, from, from the Oxford yeah. Forum, the only way Cam joins Blackpool is if he's forced to leave. As I can tell you, categorically, he isn't interested in a move to Blackpool. 
That's that, that's, yeah. that's uh, well, we'll see, won't we? I don't want to say anything now because I feel like whichever opinion I take, the opposite thing will happen. But use reverse I, I reverse really psychology, then, Sean. Reverse I, psychology. I really can't see that being the case. He's not um, signing, man. Whether he signs or not is a different matter, but he's definitely interested in the move. Hundred percent. No way, um, like he was. But there we go. Anyway, back to the game. We should win with the team that we have. Um, plus the new signings um, or not um, being announced tomorrow. Um, but yeah, we've got the quality to beat that team and tactically Appleton is definitely better than Ince, but doesn't mean anything in football, but I'd be very disappointed if we didn't take three points. Joe, thoughts on the Reading game? Um, my worry is at both fullbacks and you got people like Maytay and Tom Ince running it potentially... <laughs> Garber and more and Apter, it worries me. Oh, shit. But I think hopefully, but the fact of the matter is, like everybody says, Paul Ince is their manager. There's that that should be enough. He's awful. He's shocking. Um, I don't think I know this is going to be frowned upon by everyone here. I don't think a draw would be a disaster because we're absolutely undercooked. We've got players that aren't used to playing in the system. We've got players that we possibly might be signing, might not be signing, that haven't had any preseason or played a single minute of football with this team. I mean, we're not absolutely sort of undercooked in the sense of it's still predominantly the squad we've got last year. If Thompson yeah, starts, you know, I mean, if Thompson starts at, at a left back and you know, I mean, in like right back, it's, the system more than anything, it's it's still yeah. not a hundred percent ready and. It's the ideal team to be playing when you're not up to speed, put it that way. And I'd be very disappointed if we didn't get at least a draw. Mitch, your thoughts? Well, we'll win about 5-0 because I'm going on holiday on Saturday, so I'm not going to be there. So the the only game I missed last year at home was the 6-0 Birmingham win. Same. So, you know, it's pretty much nailed on. Um, I I don't don't know. I mean, I'm not an expert like, like... uh, some of the people are on the other team, but I had a look at their signings the other day and they all seem to be about 36. So, you know, they, they've been, sometimes when you get a load of old players, they, they, they'll they'll look good for a couple of games, but, they, you know, they won't last the course. Um, I think I agree with what Joe said. I am I also would say a draw and a half-decent performance wouldn't be dreadful because I worry that we're not, quite knitted together and we're not quite ready so let's go around the room um, and uh, give us a match prediction I'm going to go for a shaky nervy 2-1 victory with Tom Ince scoring uh, and for us I'm going to have uh, a Jezza brace as he starts and Medine is dropped and relegated to the bench Tom what are you thinking if he eight starts, three one. Joe, I'm going to go one all with a uh, Cameron Bradigan getting our goal. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> which will be a man. pen. Which will be a pen. You're brave man, you are brave. Uh, the man uh, from the press and box. And if, if we if we don't sign him, uh, Medine, Sean, um, I'm going to go two nil. Um, and I'm going to go with a Josh Bowler goal 
and a Theo Corbin you bought goal off the bench. Mm. Which nicely segues on to our transfers. Uh, Do I not get a prediction? No, sorry, Matt. Well, you're not there. Well, you're not there. <laughs> you're not there. Okay, Six nil. Six nil. Uh, well, no. What's going to happen is we're going to we're going to we're going to set up four three three. We're going to play for seventy two minutes. We're going to be a goal down, and then he's going to he's going to sack it off. Go four four two. Muscle memory's going to kick in. We're, the players are going to remember how they played last year, and then Super Gary Medine is going to come off the bench and score twice. That's just um, <laughs> just balancing up. Uh, just balancing up your your uh, heresy there, John, in relegating him to the bench. But we're, we, there's no chance of us, although we sit in different parts of the stadium, there's no chance of a chance meeting of you or I. So there's no chance of Gary scoring. Therefore, it happen, it? Yeah. therefore, he needs to be on the bench for this game. True. I get a cardboard cut out of uh, Matt, take him with you. Because that wouldn't look at all weird, would it? <laughs> Gary, Gary, can you sign this? Can you sign this? He's, he's, he's your biggest fan. I'm fucking sick of that bloke. He's been putting stupid shit up on Twitter about me all summer. Tell you him me if he carries on. Have you printed out You're those literally the, the the Partridge fan, aren't you? What's, the, what's that Partridge fan? I'm, what's his name? I'm not going to lie yes. to you. I'm, Is it Jet? I'm pretty scared. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to level with you. I'm scared. <laughs> Uh, Mitch, you may have to change your name to Jed. Yeah. Change your name on the banner to Jed. Right, transfers. So we've discussed Cameron Brannigan. We haven't discussed Reese Williams yet. I was not impressed with what I saw on the pitch against Everton. I thought he was uh, weak, um, positionally poor, and not that great in the tackle. And obviously there has been a, a bit of a Furore over his signing, given who he plays for in the past and um, apparent text messages he has been sending to his friend back and forth. Less of that. Less of that. Which got leaked to the fan base. Which which has been denied. The accusation has been denied by the man himself on the social media and has shut it down at the first opportunity. So move on. We'll move on from that He's one. He's not going to say it was Please. me, though, is he? <laughs> Let's move on from that one, for the <laughs> love of God. <laughs> they're, all, they're all nobbers, though, aren't they? All his family. All his family. But but it is what it is, and he's here, and he wants to represent Blackpool Football Club. I would say that is a coup in itself, that one of their own is now representing Blackpool in Tangerine. Whether he's any good or not, we will soon find out. That would always help. Um I mean, his one didn't go well at all. But he does look; he looks competent on the ball. Doesn't look like he's got the best turn of pace in the world for an aggressive high line, but we'll see on that. But if you've got it right in terms of your offside trap, which obviously the linesman didn't help against Everton for the the second goal, but if you've got it right, and I think that Marvin Epiteta alongside anyone makes him look better. To be perfectly honest, so. If you've got that organisation and structure right, I don't think that's too much of a, a big deal. So, decent enough signing. I don't know whether we faced competition for him or what, or where his next destination probably would have been. There would have probably been another championship club that would have taken him because of his reputation. And obviously, if Jurgen Klopp trusts you to play over um, apparent fucking Ballon d'Or winner Ben Davis, um, then you're obviously a half decent centre half. 
Mm. Mm. Um, Sean, obviously, I asked you to ask Michael Appleton if he has a uh, peony tattoo on at the press conference. Um, same question, obviously, to Reese Williams. If you ever, if you ever get him in the media room, he's got one on his ass, just a ginormous <laughs> peony tattoo. He's actually confirmed that. Is it one of those ones, you know, where you can get badges that you put in your car? It's like uh, it's like the the ones one. that you get like with the penny sweets, where it's like a, a temporary one. I was I was thinking more of the one where um, you see a, a figure of a man pissing onto the team of your local rivals. Those uh, car stickers that you can get, you know, you know the ones of me. Reese Williams, anyone? Everton debut. His debut against Everton. Uh, he looked a bit sort of Bambi-ish. He kind of looked all legs, and uh, I don't know. Um, to be fair, I thought the same thing about Marvin when he started. Mm. I thought he looked sort of big, wiry and, and ungainly, nice. and he's he's absolute class now. So I don't want to write him off. Um, and I have absolutely no idea of the truth of Texgate, um, so I'm going to give him a chance. Anyone else for Reese Williams before we move on? Well, I think Lewis Fiorini is the exciting Lewis- one, isn't he? Yeah, out of the the loanies. I didn't think he was that great yeah. actually when I saw him. But just looks fun. He just looks so fun. But the, the, the thing is, I've always been like, I've kind of slowly converted to this mindset now because obviously I was always the boring one with Josh Bowler. But in Theo Corbinu and, and Louis Fiorini, you've got decent technical players that are exciting to watch. You're playing four three three. You're trying to play an aggressive, expansive style. That's what we want. That's what we've been asking for. That's what we expected when Neil Critchley came in the door and it never quite happened. So, you know, if it all goes to pot, it goes to pot because we're not quite good enough, but we're trying to do things the right way. And I think that's really important for me. And I think that's important for fans. And that's why I think we deserve a lot of buy-in here at the moment. Dominic Thompson signed for an undisclosed fee from Brentford on a three plus one deal is a fullback apparently I couldn't find out which side of the pitch he played on so does anyone know he's a left back he's a left back he's a left back and basically from what I've read about him that he sounds like he sounds much more husband-esque than than he does uh, Garber-esque in that he, he really does like to defend and the thing I the thing I liked about him was that it looks like he can cross the ball as well so, I mean, I, I love Jimmy to bits, and I, th- I think Jimmy, as I always bang on about, I think Jimmy is grossly underrated, but he's not a crosser of a ball. I think if Jimmy could cross a ball, he'd be a really um, sort of nailed-on asset for the team. But uh, Thompson sounds hard, tough, gets a tackle in, enjoys defending, but when he does go forward, it sounds like he's quite good at crossing the ball as well. So that that sounds like a, a decent sign. And he's come from it. He's come from a good level and he's been he's he's obviously been sort of Brentford must have the best version of the model we're trying to run on of anyone. You know they've got Rico Henry, um who's sensational so yeah so he's been targeted by them and they tend not to sign mugs you know they 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 tend to really do get value for the money so um i quite like that one Mm. will he start um, will he start he's he's, he's fucking better um (laughs) he uh he's not a left wing back he got a lot of um stick from Ipswich fans and I know three or four and 50% of them said his marmite uh, sorry all of them said his marmite um, 
either love him or hate him. And two said they really liked him, and two said they hated him. But they all said you either love him or hate him. But they played a you know they played a, a wing back system, um, and in the ten games he played, they kept seven or eight clean sheets. Um, granted, he might not have been very good, but they didn't concede many goals. Um, and he says he is a left back naturally, not a left wing back. And if you're playing a left wing back, you relied on to go forward and. Um, you know, and I don't think he'll need that as much with us if he plays a straight left back. And Appleton's already pointed out that he can tackle on a one-to-one level, which Garbutt can't do. Then he's going to be starting. Well, at least definitely hope because I'd rather him there than a Bambiesh Garbutt. So he's quite big as well, isn't he? For he's massive, yeah. Um, so yeah. I, I would guess His Sterling was massive as well, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. you never know. I would guess the plan is is partly if Gabriel's fit, then we can have that where Gabe, you know, you can have that thing where you can slip slip into a back three if Gabriel's marauded forward, and you can kind of have have one of you. That's when our defence was best when we had Jimmy at left back because he could always come across and make a three, and the other wing back would go. Um, and and I, I always like, I mean, that's my big problem with with Moore. Actually, it's not so much the way he's played. I think he's 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 done fine. He's just not physically big enough to to sort of pull off what he's trying to do. If that makes sense. And I think you know having a, having another big unit in in the defense is is a really good thing because you know the championship is absolutely unforgiving physically. So. Okay, um, Theo, how do you pronounce his surname, Sean? Corb, Corbin. It's like Corbin U. Corbin U. Corbin U. Um, Sam from, Sam from Wolves, Canadian international. That means much with six caps. Um, I'm, again, the only I'm information I can clean this. can play on either side. What, yeah, winger, I'm, fullback, what? He can play across all three of the positions across the front, which makes him a forward. Um, and, Theo Corbin, sorry, Theo Corbin. <laughs> I like him. I really like watching him. Again, exciting. Um, I first watched him actually in that um, playoff semi-final second like Premier K Dons, and sometimes you just remember a performance of a player, and he was absolutely electric in that that game. And again, Josh Bowler gets you off your feet and excited, and does things that perhaps other people can't do. He can do the same. And look, he's still twenty years old, which is ridiculously young to have. He's had a fair whack of BFL appearances already. Played left wing back mainly for Sheffield Wednesday, and then he's played well on the right, predominantly for MK Dons, but also played well on the left as well. Um, I like it. Appleton obviously likes him because he's tried to get him twice with Lincoln over the past 18 months or so. So he's exciting. And also we've got a World Cup player, and obviously Mitch is excited about that because he can now buy a ridiculously expensive Canada top. $130, was it? Yeah. It is, but the, the third kit's jet black. That looks pr- well good. Well, it doesn't look well good. It's just like a Nike black T-shirt with a Canada badge ironed on it. But, you know, that's the stupidity of football kits, isn't it? How many international players have we got now, then? We've got Lavery. We've got Corbino. Any more? Kenny Doodle. Kevin Stewart, when he's not unfit. Fit, four. It's four. Not bad. Right. Uh, so, are we going to discuss Cameron Brannigan anymore since it looks like the deal's off? 
shut up. Let's just crack on it. <laughs> in all seriousness, right, if we're willing to pay £1.2 for Cameron Brannigan and we've got this amazing recruitment team, for £1.2 quid, there must be a midfielder somewhere in, like, the entire world who is any good for that amount of money. Well, I, I wanted why to, everything I wanted hinges on Cam, Cam Brannigan. I mean, he's good and I really want him and I've looked at his stats and everything and he seems to fit and, and all that, but there must be somebody in the world. Sorry, Sean, I talked over you. Yeah, no, you're okay. I, I was. I wanted just to look at like Conor Ronan and oh my god, what? Brannigan signed a new contract at Oxford. Fuck off. Yes, I've just been told. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. <laughs> Tom, I told you. I, I said, don't care, mate. <laughs> I'm not gloating. I'm not gloating until it's decided. That's official. That's it's off. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Can we revise? I want to revise my prediction to two on to Reading. Fucking rise and copy now at half ten about fucking Cameron Brannigan. Can we just scrap this again, please? Oh. As I was saying, there must be a midfielder in the world for 1.2 million quid who is any good. Someone fire up Championship Manager now and look for a midfielder with, like, stats of tackling 12-plus, passing 16-plus, pace 12-plus, and see what we get. And then send those figures off to John Stevenson. Oh, my God. Everybody, luckily this isn't being recorded live, or else there'd be a lot of pissed off Blackpool fans out there, and a lot of heavily gloating Oxford fans. Shall we oh, shut yeah. right? Let's let's say to never ever utter the words Cameron Brannigan ever again. Is it a deal? So that's a no. Then exactly who? Let's move on to our season predictions then. Sean has dropped that little bombshell. Uh, I haven't even got a banner for it. Oh, that's actually news. We've got a bit of news to cover. Um, talk Dobby to me. Steve, let's talk about Stephen Dobby. That'll uplift the mood. No? Anybody? No? It's no? a really good appointment. Um, Getting a lot of feedback um, for... Well. I don't think it's mine. It's Joe's. It's Joe's. Go on, Tom. Um, yeah, no, it's a really good, you know, what more could you want from a natural finisher slash a guy with, you know, a lot of experience all through the EFL winning a couple of playoffs and, you know, one of the greatest strikers we've arguably had in the cameo in the few years we had. So a really good feel-good factor for the club and he's certainly a, a character you definitely want around. I think I think it's good that we're actually getting ex-players back involved in the club because you'd always expect him to go to like the likes of Fleetwood in the past. So maybe that's a sign of the times that we're actually employing our our ex sort of legends. Even though was Dobby actually our player ever, I don't think no, he was. Never signed by him, which is strange. Um, mascot gate. Let's talk about that. One hundred and twenty-five quid to be a mascot. 
And as I foolishly put on our chat, well, how much can the club be really making about this? It's only about a grand, you know, um, a few grand. But I didn't realise they have six mascots each per game and they don't even get a kit for 125 quid. Yeah. Everyone's everyone's just shell-shocked by this um, Cameron Brannigan news, aren't they? Joe, Mitch, speak. Mascots. Right, mascot. No, Brannigan. Um, Brannigan. Brannigan? Oh, we're back on him. I thought we weren't talking about him again. Oh, you've not There's said your piece. in the world. I don't get why we're obsessed with him. I, I don't get why we've got this incredibly vaunted recruitment team and that we seem to be going back to the same players over and over again, not be able to find them. I don't understand that. Back when we had, you know, when we had Steve McMahon or Larry doing the job on their own, basically, like, we, we seem to be able to pull in players and we got, we, got, we got some cracking players in from time to time. We got some absolute shite, but we got some cracking players in from time to time. And now we've got, like, everyone's going, oh, we need this professional setup, and we, we seem to have a smaller range of targets than we've had before. And as Sean says, we seem to be recruiting targeting players who aren't going to come to us. It's like on Football Manager when you when you you sort of keep making bids over and over again on Football Manager to a player that just keeps going, no, I'm not coming, I'm not coming. Um, and then you have to you have to change your parameters, don't you, to find players that would be who would be willing to come. Mascots, um, one argument says, well, all clubs do it. Another argument says it's a pile of shit because mascots set off as like a tradition many years ago. You'd have a kid. It was something to make the tea. Like it was a little lucky mascot. And if you're going to charge 125 quid for it, I think it, de- it defies the, the point and the reason of it. And whether other teams do it or not, I still think it's shit. I still think it's shit that any team does it because the whole point is you get a little kid they run out, they bring the team luck, they have a nice day, it's something, everybody claps, everybody cheers. It's not supposed to be something that you that you can buy. A revenue the, stream. The, it's a revenue yeah. they turn it into and a the, revenue stream, aren't exactly. they? Exactly. And that by definition is only open to the to the sort of middle class kids of, of well to do football fans. Because, you know, you're not gonna put if you've not if you're struggling to put food on the table, you're not gonna be able to pay 125 quid to to give you kid that experience it's brilliant what um bst have done to some extent i don't really know why they've limited it to families of their own members but it's also really good what um ryan's doing i think um and uh, ryan powell who's raising money to i think three grand target to um buy a load of mascots uh, places um, and have them available to anyone. So between the two groups, I think it is it is really good. I think I've probably misrepresented BST because I think there are positions for good causes as well, but some for their own members. But I think that's good. But what you shouldn't have to have is you shouldn't have to have um, fans groups, you know, sort of filling the gaps in all the time. If Tim was here, Tim would probably say, well, that's, you know, that's modern football. It's not the club that create the economic parameters um, that we're working within. And and the the 17,250 quid, I just worked it out before, on six mascots per 23 games is 17,250 quid. You know, we all say, we haven't got this, we haven't got that, and that would pay for something, but... 17 grand, is that that it over a season? Well, I think it is. My maths is right, yeah. But it's nothing, but then again... You know, everybody's in debt in the division. Everybody's overspending. It's 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 absolutely stupid, and you know it's it's far bigger. The, the financial circumstances and the the uh, what's the word? Um, 
commercialization of football is far, far bigger than Mansford and whoever, you know, whoever's calling the shots at this club. It's it's a symptom of the whole English game and the whole way that uh, as, as sort of fans, English fans, we've, we've taken it lying down on a national basis. We've accepted all the commercialization. We all sign up to Sky TV. We all sort of buy the shit kits they put out every year. We all sort of hand clapped where we are in and, and we haven't stood up to it. So the, there we are there, you know, I'm just basically filling time now whilst everybody looks stunned. Just looking on Twitter. See if there's anything on there. Um, yeah. The, with the mascot thing, I was shocked to find that the six of them, <laughs> it's not exactly a special day for the no. mascot. Um, and you don't even get a kit. For 100, for 125 quid, I think it'd be a tad more palatable if you got a full kit. But they're not even they're not even giving the child that. And the cost price of the kits, let's be let's be real about it. It must be minimal to the club. Because I know how much kits cost to buy them for my club for my team, and it's it's peanuts. So pff, 10, 15 quid, 20 quid cost price for a kit, and there's still 100 quid in the black on each kid. But yeah, it's. It's a, I think it's a depressing sign of the times for me. Um, Mitch, you said shit kits. We have got a new away kit. Joe's actually disappeared. He was sporting it. A uh, throwback to the famous Enenco away kit. Now, I don't like it as much as I love the home kit. I'm not a great fan of the away kit because they've got the uh, the gradient of the blue bits not fading into the white. So if anyone else cares... <laughs> I'm with you. I'm not. I'm not as keen on as the home kit. I think the home kit is is a is a masterpiece. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, but I didn't really like that Enco kit first time round. To be honest, I, I've got the I've got the tangerine version of that kit, um, and I never really liked that. That I know a lot of people like that. I never really liked that white sort of. They always, they always looked a bit like a biro had run on it to me, you know. Um, so there we are. Uh, the Moretti Lounge. Will anyone be visiting the Moretti Lounge? You can pay a tenner to have the ability to just go and sit in another bar with toilets you can actually get in and have a pint of uh, drinkable lager as opposed to the rat's piss that they serve down in the uh, the draft areas in the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't even get anything for that. You get a tenner to sit in a different room. Yeah, no right. drink with it. You, you get, get a drink right to buy crisps. No, you don't, Tom. You don't even get a drink. No, it's you just get the right to buy the, the, the ability to buy a four-pound fucking rollover hot dog. <laughs> I still can't pay for Cameron Brannigan's fucking wages. So you've got, you pay a tenner just to just sit to, in another place. Where, I'd assume of excess. Yes, it's like a nightclub. Just imagine a nightclub that you want to spend twenty minutes in to do a piss to watch a pile of piss play. Fucking ridiculous! I'm so annoyed. <laughs> we should, maybe we should rename the Moretti Lounge the Cameron Brannigan Lounge well, actually, where I'm it promises close. so much it promises so much but doesn't deliver at the end of the day and uh, theme it yellow the geezers the geezers basically said that his agents used it to uh, give a bigger contract which makes sense fucking hell 
I'm not. This isn't about the shithousery, like I said in the group. It's just this year, Brannigan's name pops up. You think is actually going to happen, and it definitely doesn't happen for the third time. And we haven't got the ability to sign a fucking player. Next, just put in the uh, chat. Please tell me it's still happening. No, it's oh <laughs> fucking hell. It's off, mate. Oh fucking hell! Just just one bit of one bit of good news is all I wanted. I I wasn't that. I was concerned, but the Sims deal pissed me off. All right. Looking at it logically, yeah, yeah, Sims, I yeah, it, naturally need him. Like, I did, I just never, I can see the logic behind him going to Sunderland, but it just that was for me was the the uh, camel straw that broke the camel's back for me with Sims. Just not for even, me. even I, I mean, don't know. I, it, it kind of annoyed me chose, more because it was a culmination of terms. Things. Yeah, but if his agreed terms, and as you said, actually now fancy Sunderland on the same terms and whatever, but I don't fucking trust anything the club says, so. I'm not bothered. We yeah, wouldn't. I'd rather Brannock. Alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd rather. Yeah, yeah. But it could be. It doesn't really matter. It could be like percentages of wages. What I'm trying to say is, Brannigan was the most important player slash most one of the most important positions we needed. He is ten times better than what we've got. Right, we, we should get wrapped up because Sean's got to read the internet yeah. now. <laughs> right, season predictions. So this may need revising, given the. Uh, <laughs> Given oh the uh, news we've just been, the cards we've just been dealt, you know, we were holding a nice uh, Jack Queen suited for the season, potential for a, a straight a flush, but now I think we're holding a seven and a two off suit for any poker players. That's a really crap hand. Um, I did have us, I think, 17th in the spreadsheet, but I'm going to now say 20th. So... Where do you think Blackpool will finish, Mitch? Um, well, prior to the incidents of the last uh, 20 minutes, I had us down for an optimistic oh, 14th no. place. Um, I'm going to say we are still going to finish 13th because um, we will reinvest the money we haven't wasted on on that player on a wonderful player who we have yet to discover who they are. What have they done? All the Wall Street video. Check their Twitter feed now. What, the official Oxford? Yeah. That's done. <laughs> the C said I've moved on from... Yeah, it's done. Fuck, you know... A message to all you yellows. Oh my god. Yeah. Good night. I'm going to bed. <laughs> Thanks everyone. I love you all. So just before you head off, I'd just like to bring your attention to a Patreon supporter programme that we are running. This enables you to just contribute a small monthly amount to help support our show and support our content. So head over to patreon.com forward slash seasiders pod. You'll find details of how to sign up. It's about £3.50 per month. Price of a pint. And for that, you get a few other bits in return, which is access to our private members WhatsApp group. You'll get some exclusive podcasts, competitions. So we generally 
run match pass draws for our patrons and just other random bits and pieces as they come in. And we are going to be running an extra time podcast, which is going to be an exclusive podcast just for patrons. So if you want to sign up, patreon.com forward slash Seasiders pod. It'd be great to have you on board. Thanks for listening. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.